Hey, Consumed Listener, this is your host, Jamie Lewis. Before I start this episode, can I ask you a little favor? Will you please go to Apple Podcasts and rate and or review Consumed? It helps other like-minded people find the podcast and it gives love to the folks who sponsor it. And listen, if you don't have anything nice to say, well, just imagine me channeling your mother here, okay? Okay, here's the episode and thank you. It's Consumed, the conversational food and wine podcast covering the flavor of California's Central Coast and beyond. This season, I'm covering lots of different eaters, drinkers, thinkers, and makers, including a mushroom expert, the team behind San Luis Obispo County's first Michelin star, a family of winemakers, an outspoken wine and food critic, a culinary-obsessed high school student, local food activists, pupusa enthusiasts, state historians, and more. Hungry? Thirsty? Let's get consumed. This is a difficult introduction to make because Stephen McConnell is a difficult person to pin down. By day, he is a general contractor, but by nights and weekends, he is an independent wine and restaurant critic. Like, really independent. On his food blog, eatdrink101.com, He details his opinions on restaurants across the Central Coast, including white linen and fine dining establishments, all the way out to, like, fast food chain restaurants. On his blog, wine1percent.com, he sips a new wine every day and writes a review of it. Every single day. These are both extraordinarily well-visited sites, as are their corresponding social media pages. No doubt, because Stephen McConnell does not hold back. At all. He skewers and praises restaurants, wines, servers, chefs, and dishes very openly. A winemaker friend told me that when Stephen comes into the winery to buy a bottle of wine, it's like a ticking time bomb until he reviews it on wine1percent.com. Stephen and I don't always agree on everything, but we do enjoy some overlapping interests, and we did have a really good discussion. Listen to this singular Central Coast personality talk about his take on the term wine snob, growing up Seventh-day Adventist, and his obsession with crows. Here's Stephen McConnell. Stephen McConnell, thanks for coming to my house. Absolutely. Yeah. Beautiful house. Thank you. Um, now, when I asked you to do this, you said, sure, I'll dial it down for your oh, demographic. That just, that's just a joke. I was just giving you a hard time. I don't want you to dial it down. No, 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 no. You can cuss and swear. No. You can spit on the floor. You can do whatever you want. This is edited, right? I <laughs> <laughs> think we've covered that. Um, so if it's okay with you, I'm going to start with the about page at eatdrink101.com. Uh-oh. Okay. I haven't read this in probably four years. I will read it to you. Uh-oh. About, I am not a picky eater. I am not another angry Yelper. I do not have a Yelp account and neither should you. I know more about restaurants restaurants than I let on. Yes, I've worked in them. Yes, I've built them. Yes, I know how to cook. Yes, I have higher standards than you. A double diamond score is really, caps, an awesome score. If you hate me, it's because you serve, caps, shitty food, eat, caps, shitty food, or hire, caps, shitty staff. I make waitresses cry. I'm probably in your dining room right now. Oh, God. Oh, my God. I have to redo that. Oh, that's so old. That's, that's embarrassing to hear. That really. No, it's not. Um, your face matches your shirt right now. Wow. I haven't read that. I, for, I, I, yeah. I actually, that was one of the first questions I was going to ask. Is how long ago did you write that? 
Oh my, um, probably... Because uh, you've been doing this for a while. Uh, I mean, it's probably 2013, 14, something like that. I mean, yeah. that's pretty much when I did both of the blogs. Yeah, originally on, what's that free Google one? Um, Blogspot. And then oh I converted gosh, them yeah. I converted them over to WordPress, which is just, you know, a piece of cake. But anyway, yeah, no, that was... That was, well, we're headed up into 10 years on that. Yeah. Right. Well, so you've got the two. You have one that's, um, is it wine1percent.com? Yes. Okay. And then you have eatdrink101.com. So food and wine. And I know that the wine one is, I think they're both really well read, but um, the wine one in particular is just bonkers, Yeah, that's, right? I mean, that's my flagship, so to speak. That's my, that's my. That's my main event. The, the The local restaurant one is just for fun and kicks and, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. Well, the wine one's for fun, too. I don't get paid for any of it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the, 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 the food one is not anywhere near as well-read as the wine one. Yeah, that's kind of what I yeah, remember it's, you it's, saying. It's, 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 you know, the, the wine one is probably well into uh half a million hits a month probably uh-huh. and um yeah the food one is just you know a handful of local people <laughs> I wouldn't call it a handful though I think a lot of people read it and I think especially through your social media channels they if they're interested they wind up there um but I, I'm so I I mean you put this out into the world so I have to ask you about it right mm-hmm. okay so Yelp what now because I ask you something doesn't mean I disagree with you, okay? So Correct. Yelp. Why not Yelp? Oh, God. Because it creates this mentality where everyone's an expert. And I know what a slippery slope that is, especially coming from someone who's not an expert. But the standards of the of middle America, of the 99%, of the people who eat it, you know, who go to Red Lobster for a grand night out. I mean, these are, these are not people that should be allowed to go to Blue Moon over Avila and say, it's ridiculously expensive and we had to wait 40 minutes for our food and their wine sucked and everything tasted bad and we couldn't pronounce anything on the menu. I mean, it's just, there's such a, there's such a disparity there between what 99% of the people on Yelp are writing and what people who have actual taste and standards and understand food and food culture need to read and fortunately i think most of those people are smart enough not to read yelp although i think a lot of people read yelp mostly for entertainment and um it's just and it's and and then on the restaurant side of things it's it's just so bad for restaurants um you know you're you're able to i mean somebody you know this is this is a no-brainer i mean somebody with with absolutely no standards whatsoever is able to physically economically hurt a restaurant and then of course we won't even go into the whole pay-to-play game with yelp and all that kind of stuff and that's a completely different conversation um but you know and you can and you can do it for spite i mean you know it's just i think that happens for sure absolutely do it for spite it's 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 i mean it's i used to have uh for my 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 regular day job i used to have a a page on facebook for my my business Mm -hmm. and um 
you know, because everybody is, everybody has a Facebook page for their business. Right. And, and, you know, it, it became a place where, uh, ex-boyfriends of girls I was dating or whoever was, you know, just had, a, had, a, had, a, had something to say would, you know, go in, leave a one-star review and then block me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you go in and you're like, oh, wow, uh, I have four one-star reviews and I can't even see who they are. And you know? it's personal. <laughs> yeah. And so right. I, you know, I deleted that page. But, you know, Yelp is, oh, God. I get it that everybody's listening to you going, not, well, I get it to find out where restaurants are and what their hours are and when they're open. Um, that's great. Google will tell you the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and, and, and if you're reading Yelp reviews for entertainment, more power to you. Well, no, they are super entertaining, but they give me a pit in my stomach. I mean, right. I just... And, and I would argue nobody needs to use Yelp necessarily because of the mechanics of it. Mm-hmm. Like the... Um, the way that certain things rise to the top and for sure pay to play is a big factor in that. Um, the fact that the top two returns are always going to be a sponsored ad. Absolutely. Um, but it also, it just feeds the extremes. And so I don't necessarily want the extremes. I don't mind so much about crowdsourcing information. Um, but you know, if you ask somebody who's lived in slow and moved away, what was your favorite place to eat? Most of the time they'll say Firestone. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> most of the time they'll say Firestone. And then you look at Yelp and Firestone's through the roof with the ratings. Absolutely. I mean, why you, you, I drive by Firestone probably four times a day and, and it's, you know, it's like number 364, number 365, <laughs> number 360. You hear it out of your window. It's like, you know, I mean, it's, it's ridiculously popular. Yeah, it you is. You know, I have subcontractors and friends and everybody that eats there. Everybody swears by it. And, um, um, I've eaten there a couple times. It's well, and right. isn't there a place for something like that? I feel like, I mean, we will go for the steak cob salad when we're like working on the house or something. We just need to eat something and it's like, okay, well, let's just go. It's easy. Um, is there a place in life for going to a place like Firestone and having something simple? Oh boy. Long pause there. Uh, something simple. But is it that simple? I mean, this is American food. This is, this is not simple food. American cuisine is not simple food. It's an amalgamation of a lot of different textures and seasonings and stuff and, mm-hmm. and, and substances. Um, you know, a tri-tip sandwich, I suppose you could say it's basically meat and bread. Um, a Cobb salad, that's a whole lot of different Well, and things. I mean simple for me, the consumer, right. not simple for the person who created it or who, you know, I, no, okay. I don't All argue right. with right. that one All bit. Right. American right. food, of course, is perhaps more complex than anywhere else because of all the like geopolitical stuff that goes with it. But no, but I mean, for me, I'm exhausted. I don't want to cook. I don't want to go. And you don't want to go to fast food. And I don't want to go to fast food, and I don't want to go to Windows on the Water, right? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, uh, I get that, and, and you know, we have, I bet, I mean, I, I just, you know, brew pubs are that kind of, that, that, that's kind of my go-to on a situation like that, mm-hmm. is like a brew pub, like, like Los Osos Ale House or something like that, yeah. where it's just really relaxed, and the food is moderately simple kind of comfort food mm-hmm. and and um uh, i don't know i just don't go to firestone pizza <laughs> that's what i do when i'm lazy and feeling Tired really and- really comfort food is it's 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 pretty much always pizza yeah um 
So now I have to ask you, because because I have to, is there anything wrong with other people going to Firestone? Oh, God, no. Our economy needs it. I yeah. mean, there, there's always going to be the 99%. There always is going to be middle America. I mean, they're always going to be there, and they're always going to love that kind of food. There's absolutely nothing you can do about it. You can't educate everybody into being a snob. Mm. I mean... Are we snobs? I don't even want to. Well, you know, it, snob is a bad word now. I mean, you know what? You didn't use <laughs> Did it. It's, not just, used it's, to just, it's just like critic and criticism. I mean, mm. the you can't use those words anymore because millennials don't like them. Yeah. They are very, they're triggering words. Yeah. And, um, you know, in the olden days, a, a critic, you know, a wine critic, a food critic, a restaurant critic, a theater critic, you know, that's yeah. the thing. or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a wine snob. Okay, great. And then, you know, they turned it around into, oh, well, you're snobby about wine. Oh, hmm. are they the same thing? But anyway, yeah, you can't use snob and critic anymore. Those are, that's funny. You say that verboten. about millennials, because I don't love the word critic. I don't like the thought of some, somebody critiquing me. And Stephen, I'll be honest, having you over, I'm like, what is he going to write about me? What's he going to say? Is he going to like give stars or diamonds to my house, to what I'm wearing, like to my cats? Um, <laughs> Your cat almost got that fly, by the way. I know. <laughs> I've been watching that for a while. Yeah, she's Do a I seem distracted? I'm not distracted, really. No, no, she's a huntress. But um, with... The word critic, I had never thought that that was perhaps part generational for me. I'm at the very tail. Some people would say I'm not a millennial. Some people would say that I am because where I was born was right on the cusp. Um, but I don't know. I like. Do you identify as a critic? That's something that you identify as. Oh, well, I used to call myself a wine critic, you mm -hmm. know, and then it's gotten to the point where. It's just such an unpopular word. I mean, I still do in certain company, but um, because I, I, I despise the word blogger, yeah. wine blogger, which it also is correct. Um, of course, uh, influencer pops up all the time and there's really a wishy-washy set of definitions there. I mean influence is a real word. I mean, your mother told you, you know, don't hang around that kid. He's a bad influence. A bad influence. And you know, it's a, it's a, it's so, I mean, influencer is a, a real word. Uh, it's just, you know, become a, a, a noun attached to somebody. And you know, anybody who I suppose sways somebody else's opinion, obviously is an influencer. It's just a horrible word. And, um, I agree. I hate that. And, and, and blogger, I'm not really in love with blogger either. It's just so, uh, you know, and then wine writer, that's another one, wine writer. And, uh, you know, if you read any wine writers, it's just 99% of them literally have no concept about wine whatsoever. I mean, they know nothing about wine. They're professional writers. Mm -hmm. They could be writing about transmissions in Subarus or LED light bulbs and they would be having the same success because they're professional writers. They just chosen wine. Hmm. And um and some of them branch out into other subjects. You know, and they they just basically write whatever they're fed from their research, from their telephone interviews with winemakers and stuff like that. And so I don't like to go with wine writer either. I don't know. I, I classically yes, to answer your question, classically yeah. I always went with critic. But you have to be really careful uh, generationally because millennials do not accept criticism, period. Yeah. That's negative, and we have nothing negative. 
I, I was reading about Jonathan Gold a yeah. little while back. How do you feel about Jonathan Gold, if I can ask? Oh, uh, brilliant. 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 Right. I mean, okay. just absolutely brilliant. And the way he wrote, I mean, it was pretty flowery. But at the same time, you know, he got away with it, it, <clears throat> it's very creative with how he would voice his displeasure with something. I agree with and that. very um very you know and, and, he, and he tried to explain his situation in a lot of it and, and um he used quite a few words when he needed to, and other times he, um, you know, reverted back to my favorite kind of writing, which is, you know, eliminate every possible extra word there is. Hmm. And I, everybody's laughing right now because my wine reviews are like a thousand words <laughs> long, you know, and, and wine spectators are two sentences, yeah. and so is Jeb Dunnix, you know. So anyway, anyway, uh, yeah, no, Jonathan Gold, um, yeah, that's. Uh, I didn't read him like daily, yeah. Um, but I would I would pick it up on a regular basis and and read through it and 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 I don't like reading stuff like that. I honestly don't because, okay. um, well, since I you know started pretty much writing every day on this because um, I don't I don't want to ever be accused of plagiarism and I don't want to be accused of taking somebody else's idea and using it for my content. Mm -hmm. And that's why I don't read a lot of wine blogs. I don't read mm -hmm. really hardly any wine blogs. I read a lot. I don't read any wine reviews either. That's one, something I do not read is wine reviews. Um, I read a few blogs pertaining to wine, um, industry, gossip, skullduggery, that sort of thing, mm -hmm. or issues around the industry. But, you know, I don't read wine reviews. I absolutely refuse to read any wine reviews because I don't want their words to um, become part of my vocabulary mm -hmm. when I'm writing. And um, so, so yeah, that's, that's, that's... Well, the thing that's interesting about him that I didn't know, I read um, somebody's uh, somebody wrote about him after he died and was describing the way he would give a negative review. And the way he gave negative reviews was he would be really soft and gentle with the negative part and sometimes put too many words in to like patter, patter, patter. And then with the things he really loved, he would use really like explosive words and be really um, positive about it. And I think that's one of the reasons, it's funny that you say he used too many words, because I think that's one of the reasons he's so beloved by both readers and chefs alike. Um, and I also don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with people loving um, somebody who's good at their job or appreciates them. Um, but it's ultimately his stuff, especially at the end of his life, was so positive. Mm -hmm. um, one thing, one quality that you and Jonathan Gold share that I really appreciate, actually, is that you don't discriminate who you visit to eat. Mm -mm. Um, not at all. It's not like um, uh, it's not like the. And know, I get in trouble for that. It's not like the taco cart in the in the parking lot is any different for you than the whatever highfalutin restaurant and fast food. I mean, right. and, 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 and I, and this is something I get in trouble for. I get, I get, you know, 
I'm not gonna say hate emails. My wine blog, I get hate emails, but it, for the food stuff, I get you know I get disparaging messages all the time. Well, you know, you just you you went to Five Guys, so your opinion on food is no. You mm-hmm. don't have you lost all your credibility because you went to Five Guys or because you went to Del Taco. I mean, <laughs> fast food is fascinating. I mean, the amount of engineering that goes into it. I mean, a McDonald's French fry. Think about it. I mean, think about the millions and millions and millions of dollars that have gone into absolutely making that yeah. most perfect fry on the planet. Ooh, that's not May necessarily I- my opinion. I just had to say that. You know, yeah. but it's just, I mean, the, and, and food engineering is fun. I'm not, I'm not saying it's healthy or anything like that, mm-hmm. but you know, yeah, but, but you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, and fast food is fun. Junkie restaurants are fun. Tacos, of course, are fun. And then, of course, um, you know, beautiful French food is fun, too. Yeah. It's interesting. You talk about the McDonald's fry. I remembered recently that those fries, speaking of engineering, are injected, you know about this, with the aroma with a, from a perfumery, I think in New Jersey or something, with the aroma of fries. They are... They are scented <laughs> like French fries. Yeah, it's 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 crazy, it's fascinating, and 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 it's and it's, and it's, they are exactly the same at every single McDonald's in the yeah. entire world. I mean, from a from a from a foodie perspective, from a gourmet perspective, well, that's fascinating. Totally, from, from anybody who's worked in a commercial kitchen and and tried to replicate a dish two days in a row, mm-hmm. I mean, that's this. So, yeah, I, I mean, I find all aspects of that absolutely fascinating. It's, yeah. Fast food is very fascinating. I don't eat it all the time. Um, but it's always interesting to um, see what they're up to. Yeah, for sure. I want to take a minute to shout out to a couple of good friends of this podcast. Consumed is sponsored by Mid-State Containers, Cargo Storage Containers, and Refrigerated Shipping Containers for sale and rent in California. You may not understand how Mid-State Containers could change your life, but the truth is many, many guests on the Consumed podcast use Mid-State for their projects. Containers can serve as wine storage units for case goods, for private collections, and even tasting rooms. They can be refrigerated storage containers for breweries, kegs, and fruit during harvest for wineries. Mid-State Containers outfits coolers and freezers for ranchers, farmers market growers, orchards, and butchers. Containers can make great pop-up coffee bars and berry containers for root cellars. My guest from Season 10, Krista Flieger, from Lonely Palm Ranch, uses her Mid-State Container for an office on her property. Other ideas include schoolrooms, music and photography studios, and there are other things that can be grown, stored, and processed in a Mid-State Container, so use your imagination and get on their website to request a quote, midstatecontainers.com. Slow Life magazine also sponsors the Consumed podcast. Slow Life looks at what's going on in San Luis Obispo, including the arts, real estate, business, and the people impacting culture here. For the magazine, I just wrapped up my food column on crepes, which you may know as a French street food, but did you know that every February 2nd is the day of the crepe? In France on that holiday, people try to flip a crepe in the pan with their non-dominant hand, and if they do it, they're guaranteed a year of prosperity. See? You can learn so much from Slow Life Magazine. Get your copy at slowlifemagazine.com. So you also say that if somebody hates you, I take it some people hate you. 
If you're writing oh God, that, no. <laughs> if you're saying people might, then do they? You say you get hate mail. Do people? Oh yeah, I get, I get, I get, I get. Yeah, you might, my, my my email box uh, occasionally on a fairly regular basis gets um, you know, and and sometimes it's not email. A lot of times it's you know DMs on a lot of DMs on yeah. Instagram. Yeah. And um, occasionally, right out on Facebook, like right on my page, um, it's uh, you know just uh, and, it, and it runs the gamut from uh, you 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 literally have no idea what you're talking to all the way to um, you know graphically described sexual acts and you know drug behind a truck sort of stuff. Yes, it, yeah, it's 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 pretty. It can because it of can, wine and food. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, why do you think people are upset if they get upset with you? Why do you think they are? Um, stepped on their pet's toes. Hmm. You know, I don't know. Uh, most of the, uh, most of the, the, the really, really bad stuff. No, I was going to say most of the bad stuff is wine, but it's not, that's not true. Um, yeah, there's, um, there's, there, there's, 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 there's a, there's a handful of people around there. There's a handful of winemakers in Paso that are, um, um, quite adamant about their dislike for me very vocal um and then there's a there's a little group of uh there's a little group of people in san luis obispo too there's this little there's this little there's this little covey of dudes and um they're all about the same age and they all have just about the same set of background in the restaurant industry in this area. And most of them are buddies. And, um, yes, they're very, very vocal about how I have absolutely no credibility and should not be writing about food. That's something that comes up from what I've seen in your writing. The bro mentality comes up pretty regularly. And I, and I can appreciate that especially because of my gender. I mean, mm-hmm. coming in to a lot of these conversations, I just don't have, I don't have balls like that. And it's just not my style to come in gun swinging like that. Yeah. Um, and I don't, and I don't, you know, I don't defend myself to this stuff. I absolutely don't. I won't, I won't, I won't legitimize it. I mean, I just, you know, I- yeah. Great. Have a nice day. Yeah. That's, that's wonderful. I'll get around to you eventually. You know, I mean, I'll come around to a restaurant you're working in eventually. And I, there's a good chance I'm probably going to love it. I mean, you know, I'm not, I don't allow, I don't, you can't allow people to affect how you review something. You really can't, no matter how much you love the chef or no matter how much you love this winemaker or how much you love this property or this project or the inside of the building or whatever, you know, you have to be, that's not fair. It's so funny because I feel the opposite about that. <laughs> and I mean, I, I mean, I've been very vocal about that, that I think, um, but, but I come at it with a different MO than you yes, do. Yes. So, I don't, I think it's really hard to eat or drink something in a vacuum, um, in a vacuum that completely eliminates personality, um, you know, where this person is coming from, who's making this, um, all of that. I mean, that's the premise of this whole podcast, right? Yeah. So, so all that to say, when I show up at some of these people have become my friends and I show up at their new property or whatever, and it's just wonderful. And it like it, it's wonderful because it 
speaks to them and their personality and their experience. And it feels like being with them just to be in the room. And the food is, um, I mean, it's expressive. I think that good and bad are way too subjective for me mm-hmm. to label anything as trash or treasure. It's just really, yeah, really yeah, no, that, 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 and, 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 you know, it's like, and there's a myriad of tiny, tiny little things that build up. Mm-hmm. You know, if anybody gets any sort of a negative view or any positive view, there's tiny. It's like it's like yeah. Tell if me you, about if your you process. Get, if you like, get div- yeah. when you get divorced, if you ever have gone through a divorce, you get divorced and people come up to you and you know the first thing they say is, "My God, what did she do or what did he do?" Mm-hmm. You know, and they assume. That there was this bomb that somebody dropped, and then but I don't, I don't admit occasionally in these situations there are yeah, giant bombs that are one item and that's it, you know. But no, you know, it's it's just it's, well, I mean, it's just thousands and thousands and thousands of little things that build up, and and some are positive, some are negative, and then finally it just you know it's just like well, I'm gonna have to give this, I'm just gonna have to give this a negative review. You yeah. Know? So you go to these places multiple times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about the wines? I mean, are you opening multiple? bottles because i think you know if you're checking out the whatever 2007 vintage of blah 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 are you getting more than one bottle of those and tasting them or is that even the point Uh, no i mean i will revisit something that isn't that is flawed yeah. I mean, if there's something, and, I'm, and I don't mean flawed in like natural wine flawed. I mean, like if something's corked. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to re- write about something that's corked. Yeah. Um, that's just pointless. And um, if something is clearly cooked, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'll, I'll usually go over that pretty hard in my head before I decide to publish <laughs> something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, to answer your question, no, there's not really multiple bottles other, uh, other than, I mean, I basically review one wine a day. I mean, that's, I mean, I drink a lot more than that, but, um, I taste a lot more than that, but you know, there's only room on the blog for basically, at least in my format. Mm -hmm. I'm not one of those people who gets, you know, seven bottles from black orchid winery or whatever, and sits there and writes, you know, a sentence and a half about each one of them as a blog post and, and taste all of them. And, and the reason for that is because, uh, and, you, and you mentioned my process, you know, this all goes back to before I started the blog, I, you know, years of, of, of drinking wine with dinner, mm-hmm. you know, and this is, this is literally, you know, you, you, you come home, whatever's going on, you open a bottle of wine and you go in the kitchen and you start making dinner and the, the, the bottle of wine obviously lasts through dinner and possibly even after dinner. And um, you're putting thoughts into it the whole time. And um, so it's just a conversation. And that's, these thoughts don't go on the blog. I mean, it's literally a conversation about this wine, about what I'm thinking about it. And that's kind of why they're so long. That's not why they're not these beautiful little two-sentence things like in you know Jeb Dunnick's newsletter or in the back pages of Wine Spectator where it's you know two sentences just concentrated about this wine. Um, you know, they tend to be five hundred thousand words, and it's 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 a lot of um, it's a lot of uh, just how I'm feeling about the wine. But it's not the story. I mean, I'm not telling wine stories. I'm not mm-hmm. a storyteller. That's not what my blog is about either. Um, but that's and that's and that's been that way for me ever since before I started the blog. I mean, that was it. I mean, when I moved down here almost twenty years ago, um, you know, I had a group of friends 
five or six, maybe seven. And we would trade emails or Facebook messages or something about wines we were drinking because we all kind of felt the same way about wine and we all kind of collected the same wines and mm. used to taste wine together or still do and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, at, at, some, at some point, somebody said, um, I was the most prolific, you know, of any of them. <laughs> and at some point, somebody said, well, hey, uh, McConnell, why don't you, uh, you know, there's these things on the internet that you can, uh, they're free and you can like put Anyone that, can you can it. put that out there and like anybody can read it, not yeah. just us four, right. you know? And I'm like, well, that's a really bad idea. <laughs> that's, 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 <laughs> You're right. And, the internet was a really bad idea. And I, and I, and I, I thought, I thought about it for, uh, you know, I mean, I mulled it over for a while, probably at least a year or something. And then, uh, one Sunday morning, I got bored and I went on Blogspot. I'm like, "Wow, they're right. This yeah. is right here. This is like a literally a word processing format." And I hit enter, and it goes out there somewhere, and anybody can click on it. Yeah. And um, so yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was. Uh, I actually wrote, um, having been having like moderated a lot of Facebook groups and a lot of club groups, car groups, and race mm -hmm. car stuff, and everything like that. You know, I know the importance of having content yeah. um, and having it all right before you hang your shingle out there, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So I wrote for about a year uh, before I published. Mm -hmm. I, wrote, I, wrote, I wrote about a year of content, um, you know, one a day. That's smart. And then, mm -hmm. and of course, on a blog, unlike Instagram or, a, or on a blog, you can go and you can change the publishing date. You know, you can, so I can, I can take a, something I wrote six weeks ago and I can say I wrote it tomorrow or I can mm -hmm. say something I wrote yesterday and say I wrote it five years ago. Yeah. You know, so I could, I was able to just go through. And so on, uh, yeah, on, uh, fe on fe February 14th, on Valentine's Day, 2014, I published it and um, started it and um, it just kind of, it kind of took off. It's got a life of its yeah, own. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, it wasn't planned at all. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't plan this. I mean, I know a lot of influencers and wine writers, stuff like that, you know, they're, they're all going to this now with a, with a focused business plan, you know, because it's going to be a side hustle and, and you've got, you've got these objectives to meet and everything. This is not at all. I mean, I did this, this was not, this was supposed to be something that five or 10 people were going to read. Yeah. And, and not, this for you, it sounds like more than anything, like just yeah, it was, it was, a chronicle. It was a lot of personal notes. And then, um, of course went on Instagram. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny. My daughter, my youngest daughter, we were just hanging out in the house one evening or something. I think I was probably doing my wine blog and she was probably uh, 13 or 14 at the time, 12. And she goes, you know, dad, there are Instagram, you know, and up to this point, I just thought Instagram was like something 14 year old girls do. I mean, there was absolutely no way an adult or a male for that matter was going to go. Yeah. And she says, you know, dad, there's, there's, there's people on Instagram who post nothing but like bottles of wine every day. Yeah. And I'm like, you're kidding me. Right. And she goes, no, 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 no. And she got to show me. And I'm like, well, that's kind of interesting. And so I started like posting my bottle of wine on Instagram. And that was probably, I don't know, 15 or 16. And um, after Instagram became available to us Android users. And, um, um, and that, that really exploded. That, yeah. that just really, really went places I never intended for it to Who go. Who do you think is the person paying attention to your stuff? Who is that? Um, well... This goes back to the name of the blog. Um, the Wine 1%, I have a heavy industry following. I mean, lots and lots of winemakers, um, reps, psalms, distributors, importers, 
people who own stores, mm -hmm. retail people, uh, wine directors, uh, hose draggers, lab rats, stuff like that. I mean, all up and down California, the West Coast, and all over the world. Lots of industry uh, following, um, and lots of um, lots of consumer following that you know has learned that they either like my style of writing or they flat out like the wines I drink mm -hmm. or that we connect on paper how our palette works which is so important to know your reviewer know your reviewer know your reviewer know your reviewer you know it's so important if you crack open a magazine and read an article about how amazing this Cabernet Sauvignon is and you don't have anything to you don't have any background information on what this person looks for in a Cabernet you know mm -hmm. so he can say it's good till he's blue in the face and you go by it and you're like oh this is not what I like in a Cabernet yeah, so true. it's important to know your so as far as the people who read me um well, obviously with, you know, 30-something thousand followers, there's going to be a lot of people on there that you probably would rather were not following you. Mm. Um, but I like to think that I have a, you know, real, I, I, the 1% the, the is, is seriously following. The wine 1% is seriously following. And the, but, but that's not a black and white. That whole wine 1%, the 99%, that's not a black and white thing. Because, you know, really... I want to reach like the wine 90%. I want to reach the 85%. I want to reach that group of people between 85 and 99 who have gotten the splinter under their skin that, you know, wine marketing today is bullshit and the stuff we're being fed is bullshit and 90% of the wines that we're buying in the supermarket are just crap mm -hmm. and they're all factored in they're all geared toward an American palate an American sweet tooth and bigger is better and high alcohol and oak and all this kind of stuff and they, they've gotten that little sliver but they haven't quite figured out you know how and, and their friends that's the problem with this group their friends are telling them they're crazy because they have all these friends that they've been drinking wine with for a million years that drink Camus and Prisoner and Warren Swift Ron and all this kind of stuff and Ron Bauer. Yeah. And they're telling them, what are, you're crazy. This wine's beautiful. I love this. I order this every time I go to the wine bar, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's really hard because the 99 will always be there and they will always be the 99. I mean, it's a mathematical. So there's always going to be way more of them mm -hmm. with lower standards. Um, and so that's the group that I really, you know, and I love it. And it happens all the time. I get messages every day. It's like, you know, you'll, you'll see somebody and they're like, well, you know, I drank this for a lot of years. And then I, I kind of felt like there was more and I wasn't really, and just got, it just got really homogenous and really boring. And now I've been reading your stuff and I've been trying some of the wines you mm -hmm. thing. And I, and, and it all makes sense now, mm -hmm. you know, that there's, there's, Wine can be pure and natural and amazing and wonderful. And did I just use the word natural? I, I know. Not, I was like, bing, bing, bing. I did not. There is no such thing as natural wine. <laughs> now you're going to get all kinds of hate mail. Yeah, um, people are pretty spun up about that. Yeah. I am not. It, I have it, no dog in it, that fight. But. It, 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 it just can't it, be gross. How's that? I like, I don't want to taste something gross. Well, and, and, and it's interesting you bring that up. Um, this is a whole other blog all of its own, but uh, a podcast all of its own. But uh, natural wine. I mean, there are people I could show you in writing, in writing, I could show you on social media, uh, half a dozen people who have said at some point in the last three or four years in writing that it does not matter what the wine tastes like. Yeah. As long as it 
fits what they their, their parameters for natural. Yeah, I struggle. And it doesn't with matter that. what wine tastes like. And it's like, well, wait, wait you, 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 you're 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 completely forgetting the basic premise of everything, and that is wine is a beverage. It's a commercial food product. It's a yeah. beverage we drink. Hopefully for enjoyment. I mean, it's it's on my side of the table. It's a lot of work, but I mean, I still enjoy wine yeah. amazingly. Otherwise, I wouldn't do this for free. You know, I mean, it, it's it. But you're supposed to be doing it for enjoyment. And if it doesn't taste good, how do you rationalize the processes by which it went through or didn't go through? And 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 just flat, there is no natural wine. Wine's not natural. Well, okay, but natural. also just backing up to the the way that it tastes, evolutionarily speaking. We, are, we're supposed to spit out things that taste bad because they might be poison, <laughs> yes. right? Yes. So exactly. I don't want to discredit my own right gag reflex, exactly. right? So I like that's just biology to me. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's that's uh, that's that's an interesting. Lesson. Where did the bug come from? This is a softball question. I'm asking you lots of softball questions no, because that's who I am. Yep. But you have to answer them. So. Um, yeah, what, what happened to you? Why did you get into wine? Um, a parent? Oh, God, no. No, 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 no. I'm Seventh-day Adventist. Really? Born, raised, baptized, educated. Saturday night. I, I've never set foot in a public school in my entire life. Is that right? Yes. Where'd I, you grow up? Northern California? I was born in San Diego and Palm Springs and then, yes, uh, Oregon, Colorado, Northern California. Okay. Seventh-day Adventist. Yes. That's right. And they don't drink at all, right? No, 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 caf- no you know, coffee, tea, Coca-Cola, wow. tobacco, heroin, wine. <laughs> no anything. heroin? No, no, no. It's, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, no, it's, there's, 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 there's nothing. So that did not come from that. Steve, that's remarkable that, I, I mean, that's remarkable that that's, what this all spawned out of. I mean, do you think it was a reaction in some ways? Oh, here we go. Yeah. That, that, um, I don't think so. I think it was just, you know, uh, um, uh, curiosity. Um, I went to college in Napa mm-hmm. and um, in St. Helena and um, was surrounded even though I wasn't old enough to drink and wasn't drinking wine. Mm-hmm. I mean, because when I went to college, I discovered cooking and vodka. I mean, that was, I wasn't drinking wine. Mm-hmm. And, but you're surrounded by it, you know? And there's all the kids that are locals that live there. You're hanging out with in Napa and St. Lane, and you're driving up and down Highway 29 and Silverado Trail all day long. Mm-hmm. And you're, you know, and you're seeing this winery and that winery. I mean, I watched Opus One be built, you know? Right. I mean, this is, this is, and, and it just, it kind of, even though I wasn't drinking wine, it really, Napa really got under my skin. The Napa Valley did, even though I completely ignored it at the time. I mean, I was there for probably three years in the late 80s and um, completely ignored it. Never drank wine. A little bit. I mean, my roommate worked it. One of my roommates worked at Meadowood. My, another roommate worked at Auberge, you know, and they would bring home, you know, people would leave Half bottles. bottles and mm-hmm. stuff and they'd bring it home and we'd taste it and we're hanging out with, I mean, Robbie Mondavi is about 
three years younger than me. And he would come to a dance club that we were at in Napa. And, you know, a couple times we went to his house because his parents were out of town, the Mandavis. And um, <laughs> even though we were expressly prohibited from going anywhere near that door over there, mm-hmm. um, a friend of mine and I went down those stairs and I can, I mean, I could probably draw this place, um, you know, or, or Robert Mondavi's wine cellar. I mean, it just, I just, just walls and walls and walls of martini verticals and Krug verticals from this 50s, 60s and 70s and just crazy stuff. And, um, so, I mean, that, that all made a little tiny impression on me, even though I wasn't drinking wine, really, or appreciating it or anything. And even then, then, you're, like, seeing it, the just yeah, opulence it just, of it. Yeah, it just, it just, it kind of... And the history, and, like, the faded labels, it just the fact that history is stacked up like that is pretty remarkable. Yeah, I really didn't get into wine until I became an adult and had a career and, like, moved back to Sacramento and basically got married the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we're, I'm in my mid 20s and um um started uh wine tasting pretty heavily you know around there amador el dorado Mm -hmm. uh, going over to uh, sonoma all the time pretty much skipped napa Hmm. uh, by that point because napa had already started their reputation started solely a little bit you know as being a really expensive destination and um i bought a lot of napa wines but i really never went over there visiting we did we just you know Russian River Valley and Dry Creek Valley and up into Anderson Valley and Mendocino and all that. I mean, that was just, we were over there every, you know, a couple times a month and mm-hmm. wine tasting. It started a little cellar, always had a little cellar, you know, and always had those like 10 cases of wine in somebody's mm-hmm. clo- in my closet that, you know, you're dragging around from, from apartment <laughs> to apartment. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, it just grew from there. I don't know. Um, I, I can't answer the question. I have no idea where it just, um, wine's just always been... You know, now I have a pretty decent-sized cellar. And, well, and, and you I don't just... have an American... You don't have the lab palette for American wine, necessarily. You have an international palette. You are interested in international wines, which often, in California, particularly on the Central Coast, people are not. They're absolutely not. And the other thing, interesting, you bring it up, particularly people on the, on the Central Coast, but uh, it's interesting, and this goes back to a theory that I've been formulating in my mind over the past decade or so, but I've never put on paper and I probably never will. And that is uh, the wine palette. And perhaps somebody has written about this. Perhaps they have. This comes up in Valle Guadalupe as well. The wine palette of the locals in a burgeoning area is different than the wine palette in a place with an established history mm-hmm. and people on the central coast um they don't like old wines either yeah they don't like old wines you go to a bottle share you go to a party and mm-hmm. you line up 40 wines on the bottle 40 bottles on this on the table and one of them will be an 85 and um that'll be the full one at the end of the night and this is with wine drinkers this is yes with, this is this yeah. is wine people this yeah. is serious wine people, um, you know, and, and, and yep, yeah, that's the weirdest thing that when I moved here, uh, almost 20 years ago, it's like the weirdest thing. You start hanging out with the wine people down here. And first of all, nobody drinks any old wines. Um, 
And then there's also large parts of the world that are completely missing from everybody's vocabulary. I'll show you, for instance. I almost mm -hmm. dare you to find Australian wine in this town. Well, Ash has got a half a dozen now. And, Which isn't and, it and, like the number one export like the number one exporting wine is australia i think yeah yeah, yeah anyway it was like the first thing i noticed when i moved down here was like there was no there was no pa and there was no australian yeah. wine still you know? no pa right yeah there is there's five or six places to get oh. decent pa around here yeah i mean there's the app bites right here oh that's yeah excellent. and i've heard that that's, yeah, really, that's good. really good i haven't been over there oh yeah it's really good good pa good pa good bummy yeah too. really good bummy got pate in it and everything right supposed to be that's awesome. I wish them well in that lo location. That's tricky. Yeah, the old Carl's Jr. Yeah. Um, I think that there are some locations that are absolutely cursed here. Well, well, think about this. Think about the, the you want to talk about fast food and the uh, Cal Poly corridor and what doesn't work? Think about it. Mm -hmm. What has closed? Carl's Jr. McDonald's. McDonald's and Burger King. Yes, and Where the I mean, Mr. Uh, not was. in the corridor. We did close down an Applebee's too, which and is a like, Taco Bell. That's right. not in the corridor, but right here within like two blocks yeah. of all the housing of Cal Poly, Carl's Jr. cannot survive, McDonald's cannot survive, and Burger King cannot Why survive. Is that? I have no idea, and this is a conversation I have had with local gourmets over and over and over, and nobody can figure out. I mean, Jack in the Box and Taco Bell managed to survive. Where are they eating? That's interesting. It's, That's a lot to shut down. It's, the it's, McDonald's shutdown blew my mind. Yeah. And it's been, what, 10 years? Yeah. yeah. Easily. It's, it's, uh, I, I, how does a McDonald's fail? I don't, I do not know. I've never known a McDonald's fail in my entire life. Once more, I want to give love to a couple other podcast friends. Slow Food Co-op is your friendly neighborhood grocer, maintaining local, organic, and non-GMO standards. Slow Food Co-op sources from local producers, ensuring they offer their shoppers great food and household staples. With a mission to empower health and well-being in the community, they offer local produce, meats, low-to-no-waste foods, and wellness items. You can find Slow's only community-owned grocery store on their website at slowfood.coop and visit Slow Food Co-op in-store at 2494 Victoria Avenue in San Luis Obispo, California. Now hear this. Wine and Spirits magazine named their top 100 wineries of 2021, and the good people at Native Nine Wines in Santa Maria made the list. Not only are they among the top 100 wineries in the world, they are also one of 10 producers from the Central Coast on that list. So side note, go Central Coast, a tenth of the world's top producers. Native Nine produces Pinot Noir, only Pinot Noir, from organically farmed, minimally irrigated, hand-harvested vines that owner James Onaveros planted in 1997 when he was just in his early 20s studying crop science at Cal Poly University. James grows eight Pinot Noir clones on his Rancho Onaveros vineyard, and winemaker Justin Willett shepherds the wine to bottle with a distinct focus on whole cluster fermentation. If you've been looking for the right bottle to share at the holiday table or to gift to a loved one, look for the Native Nine link on the consumed website or visit ranchosdeonaveros.com. I love wine. Love it care a lot about it not the way i used to um other things just life has kind of taken over mm -hmm. um but food I, i'm not going to drink every day i don't 
Um, but food, I, yeah, every day I have food. So Good uh, plan. <laughs> it's my <laughs> in it to win it. So I breathe every day too. <laughs> yeah, I do just that breathe. Too. But as I look at your um, food writing in particular, it's really funny. It's really um, snarky. It's snarky. Don't it is. But uh, it has. There's a lot of positive in it, actually. There's a lot of praise for people doing well um, for certain dishes on certain menus, for certain people who are doing the work. Um, and I appreciate that for sure. Food is food. Eating out, I mean, the restaurant world is exciting. I mean, even, even in their shortcomings and failures and, you know, it's, 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 it's a really interesting thing to open up your house and cook for someone and charge them for it and have them seated by your staff that you hire and so like i mean it's it's a it's a daunting process and it's i don't i i wouldn't want to be i get to watch it you know from really really front rows and i wouldn't want to be i almost went to culinary academy Hmm. um when i was in between my first and second wife i um I got a little bug up my butt to uh, learn how to cook. I mean, like, really professionally learn how to cook. And so I went to, there used to be a culinary academy in Sacramento. It has closed down. It had a funny name. Uh, anyway, great big place. And um, I went in there and I went on a tour and, and I, I went through there. Of course, I was general contractor already. You know, I'd been one for 15, 20 years. And, um, Went through the tour and sat down with one of the ladies, and she goes, okay, well, you know, it's like $40,000 a year, and blah, blah, blah. And I go, okay, cool. And she goes, you know, I have, this is insane. She goes, why on earth? You have a career. I know you make good money. Why on earth would you want to come and learn how to cook? She goes, you do understand what a chef life is like right i mean you'll you'll never have a weekend you'll you, this I, said, well, I don't necessarily want to be a chef and i don't want to open a restaurant i just this is just for kicks, kicks you know and she's like you're insane you're you're insane to spend forty thousand dollars to do this and 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 take all this time off from work and everything so she talked me out of it so yeah That's so funny i, I wonder what would to, have been i wonder what to culinary academy well and so sacramento shut down san francisco California mm-hmm. Culinary. I wonder why all these schools are shutting down. Maybe because I don't know. Everybody's just Any, everybody's a chef. Everybody's a chef, and everybody's I guess maybe staff is just getting trained up from the prep table. Yeah, you know, and 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 nobody's really that uh, worried about um, a diploma that says you know how to slice an onion, which is really good honest in my opinion i mean there's always a place for education but i think it's good there's also a place for fundamentals yeah yes of course and you know saucier and stuff like that i mean those are fundamentals that sure you can be taught but shouldn't i, I don't know I, I i think that some i think a lot of that stuff should be taught in a formal setting okay i mean i i i, I but 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 that's you know i mean look at spencer Johnson here in town. Mm-hmm. I mean, probably one of the most brilliant chefs in this town and completely self-taught. Yeah. Completely there's self-taught. A lot of, there are a lot of standout folks yeah. like that, yeah. for sure. Okay, so since you bring up learning the fundamentals and education, I mean, you didn't go to school for critique, for critical, you know, you don't write for a newspaper. This has all been of your own design. Where did you learn how to write? Oh, God. I didn't expect you to... 
ask that. Um, I never learned how to write. I don't know how to write. Um, I, 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 I mean, I'm not an English major. I never took any journalism. Um, um, I took art history. Um, so did I. That was my major. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 but what you do, you're reading something because people who write read and maybe you're not reading, um, food, wine stuff. I read not as much as I, 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 this is a real, real guilt, pain, guilt, a pang of guilt in my soul to even admit this, but I will be honest, I don't read near as much as I should. I used to read a lot. My girlfriend reads voraciously, um, you know, two or three books at a time. Um, I used to read a lot. Um, um, you know, I mean, Darren Delmore's third book is mm. sitting on my nightstand and has been there since last summer. Mm-hmm. And I still have not f- read it, or finished it, or written a review on it. Um, uh, same with uh, Stephen Lloyd Bishop's second book. I'm, Moffat. Uh, Moffat, Moffat, Moffat. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like three quarters of the way through yeah. it, and it's sitting there, and I haven't finished it. And, 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 and unfortunately, it's because I'm reading another book alongside of it that is literally the opposite book on the same topic. And so oh. it's really interesting. Um, I'm going to have... A quite an interesting time. I haven't figured out how I'm going to write that review, but I was thinking about writing a side-by-side review, yeah. even though one of them, they're both, both books are about the exact same topic, except one goes this way and one goes this way. So yeah. anyway, anyway, yeah. but I don't read, I don't read, I don't read as much as I should. I'm tired at night. I have paperwork to do. I have a blog to write, but now, now speaking of, you know, mm-hmm. you skip a day of what writing a blog. Oh, yeah. And the next night, you open up your computer and you're like, well, what's the first word I write? What's the second word? I, what, what's my first sentence? I mean, what, 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 but if you do it, I mean, every day it just boom, 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 yes. boom, boom, it comes, it comes, it comes. And, and you, know, I, um, you know, sometimes I'll go, I have a lot of drafts. I probably have two or three dozen drafts stacked up in my blog. And occasionally, you know, I'll go out to dinner with friends and I don't want to be working and everything. And so I'll just hit one of my drafts. And, um, you know, and sometimes I'll go take a road trip and I'll go up the coast or something and I'll post a draft every night, you know, for like four nights straight. And when you come back, oh my God. I, it's it's like, true. You just block. What do you say? What, how do, what is the first thing I say about that? Of course, once you get started, that's fine. But the but, practice of it, right? But as far as reading, oh man, I don't, I don't, I don't read. You ask me what am I reading or where did I learn to write? Um, I, re- I read, my reading of choice is classical literature. Really? That is absolutely my, and my, my, my preferred genre is short story. So give me an example of something. Let's see, classical literature. So what, like, um... Short stories of Nathaniel Hawthorne, short stories of Edgar Allan Poe, um, short stories of, uh, oh God, I have stacks of Ernest Hemingway yeah. and, uh, Joseph Conrad yeah. and all that kind of stuff. I love short stories and I love, um... Um, what was the other one? I have a bunch of weird complications, compilations too. Faulkner. That's who I'm thinking. I'm like thinking, who is it? Faulkner. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and Roald Dahl, uh, yeah. you know, his stuff for grownups. Yeah. Right. Um, and, um, uh, um, 
and, and there's compilations too. There's that one guy on NPR who has, he's like Russian. I couldn't even think to pronounce his name. It's like got 73 syllables and it's all consonants. And, you know, he's written a couple of nice thick compilations of essays. I like reading essays too, yeah, essays same. and short stories. Mm-hmm. And I read, when I, when I pick up a book nowadays, uh, in the past decade or so, I'm reading a lot of nonfiction, which same, is, which actually, is, yeah. it shocks me yeah. because I like short stories. I like classical literature which is fiction and um now you know when i read a book it's like oh you know something political or something about health or something about yeah and it's or 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 or, you know and i think what the last thing i read uh, was um um charles Lindbergh. I was like a 400 page, the autobiography of Charles Lindbergh. In fact, I don't know if it's an autobiography or if it was a biography. Um, I'm trying to remember, but I mean, that was fascinating. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, boring stuff, heady stuff. No, and to me, it shows that you are a curious person. And crows, Corvids. I read, that's like probably the last 10 books I've read have been, some of it, you know, like really technical, like college you know school book sort of thing on yeah. on corvids um because i'm kind of fascinated by that i do not know what that is uh crows and blue jays and oh my magpies gosh. yes birds you're Cor- a birder um i'm 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 very i wouldn't know, call myself a birder but i do love birds i love birds of all kind i'm fascinated by them and i, I pay attention to all of them wherever i'm yeah. at but um Crows, especially. I, 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 I've studied crows probably, well, not probably, way more than a sane person well, should probably study crows. Smart. Oh, it's, I, I, this is like four more hours. It, I, I, know. I, I could go on and on. The crows are just insane. And the stuff that they do that, you know, in, in these, the stuff you learn in, the, in a lot of these books, some of it's really, really technical and yeah. boring but um some of it you can only get through like you know a chapter at a time you're just like you're for sure it, that's it, not it, light it, reading yeah yeah and it's just anyway anyway that's, that's what i like to know i yeah. know so so Stephen. but where did i learn to write i can't answer that i never learned to write i mean i always did pretty good in english class in college and in academy and um well and let me be clear by where did you learn to write i don't mean like in school i mean what are you you know what are you ingesting that that compels that and i think that i think that you know any kind of short story classical american literature that you've read in the past that it all is of a piece to newspapers me newspapers are great too yeah oh my gosh newspapers are great because everything is so succinct Mm -hmm. um i mean uh, the first section of the wall street journal is the finest newspaper in the world the first the first section come now yes absolutely (laughs) and it does it doesn't matter what your politics are yeah yeah it does not matter what your politics are the first section of the first page of the wall street journal but the first section of the wall street journal is i mean and 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 the writing of a newspaper of that caliber is is you know every paragraph and there's not a single wasted words they transition from this word to this word without the string of modifiers that you know, wine writer and, 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 and novelist and everybody else uses everything is just, I mean, some of the, you know, some of the sentences you read them and you say, oh my God, there's not enough words in that sentence. I mean, but it, you know, the, the tense you read them in yeah. is, uh, yeah, newspapers are. And that's Hemingway, right? Exactly. Well, I mean, that's or, like, well, I mean, I mean, he was a newspaper man. Yes, but, 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 but train of consciousness, flow of consciousness 
and newspapers are I can they they, they are kind of related in how the sentences are structured. Yeah, yeah. But um yeah, and train of consciousness can definitely make some some transitions in verbiage that don't make sense the first time you read them mm-hmm. if you're if you're if your tone or your tense or your timing is wrong mm-hmm. and you have to back up a couple words and go, oh, I was supposed to read this like that and then it flows yeah. perfectly. Yeah, second time. And around. yeah, it's, it's, yeah, Hemingway's, Hemingway's uh, interesting stuff to read. It's, yes. it's really, it's a lot deeper than I think people, a lot of people give it credit for. Such a troubled man too. Yeah. So much machismo and... There's a lot there. Oh, yeah. The, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. I got to look the other way on a lot of it. I know. It's true. Um, let me ask you, what is going to, what do you want to see happen with all of this? Anything? Oh, God. Or just is stick it, there's, with there's, it there's, you know, the way it is. On, on a fairly regular basis, I go, I'm done. Mm. It's just, I'm done. Nobody could blame you. That's a lot of work. It's just that, uh, you know, wine marketing gets worse and worse every day. It gets shallower and shallower and more embarrassing and more embarrassing every day um, for how wine is marketed and who it's marketed to. And this goes back to the wine 1%. And that was actually where I coined the phrase 20 years ago. This, this has, and for your listeners who's going, oh, 1%, 1%, and this is, here I'm going to blame the millennials again. This was decades before the whole... One percent social yeah. economic status and social inequality and that kind of thing. This went way beyond that. So, so, so the wine one percent has absolutely nothing to do with finances or wealth or the price of the wine you drink or the quality of wine you drink or anything. It has absolutely nothing to do with that. If you look at my blog, again, eight, not discriminating. Eighty yeah. percent of my bottles are like thirty bucks. Yeah. So anyway, the wine one percent goes back to a phrase. We had just conversation with a group of people around dinner with blah blah blah, you know, mm-hmm. and we're talking about wine marketing, which is. This is a really fun topic with super, super wanky people. And, um, you know, and I said, I remember saying, when did the wine 1% stop being marketed to? Because wine used to be marketed to the 1%. And yes, I will give you, it was probably a, a, a very heavily white male probably fairly wealthy demographic i will give you that but hey and that's quite just the possibly way it was. not american yeah, right? yeah and and but but the wine one percent used to be the people that was marketed to we read robert parker's newsletter we read the back pages of wine spectator those little paragraphs we read uh, charles olken and earl singer um connoisseur guide to california wine these are all newsletters these are the really i mean these you don't have pictures who johnson jancy's robinson steven Spurrier. i mean this was really pedantic stuff yeah. you know and um we and, and we would go to wineries you know and there were no vineyard tours there were no barrel tours there were no zip lines there was no cheese plates there was no horseback rides there was no picnic grounds there was nothing you know and you didn't even you didn't even nobody told you the story from the other side of the table you, you walked in they said oh yeah i want to taste you wine. okay well here's our here's our here's our alexander valley cabernet from last year okay cool you know and then they would just mind your own business while you taste the wine. Hey, you like that? Yeah, I like that. I'll take a case of it or whatever, you know. And now it's like, 
you're standing there being preached to by this person that's had the story instilled in them, and you can't sell wine without a story. And um, <laughs> and 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 and, but that was the way wine was marketed. Mine was marketed to the collector, to the to the to the one percent, to the person that was fairly geeky about it. And then at some point, probably in the mid '80s or so, you know, with rosé or whatever, white sin, um, you know, wine started being marketed to the ninety-nine. And, um, and I get it. I mean, that's where the money is. There's 99 of them. There's only one of us. We're, we're, we, we, sure, we'll, we'll go to a winery and we'll buy a case of wine and we'll buy it every single year until they change winemakers. We don't like it anymore and then we won't buy it anymore, but we'll go next door and buy wine. You know, whereas the 99, they will, they get sucked into the story and they join the club and I mean, this bank. I, mean, I have just, never. So, if coming from a wine marketing background, yes, we've been told thousands and thousands of times we don't want it to be snobbery. Yep. We want it to be approachable. Yep. We want to teach it's just any other beverage. You know, Coors has done it. Um, MGD has done it. Yes. So, um, I've never heard anybody say that it's too democratic. I mean, that now that's one way you could look at it, right? Is that Stephen is arguing that wine has become too democratic. I think if you were looking at it from a negative angle, that's what you would see. I, I but see I've that. never I heard see that. you, I've never heard anyone say that before. And I, and I do understand that. It's like it used to be pretty cut and dry, pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. And I've never thought of it that way. And I, I could see where that would be frustrating for somebody who has liked that beverage and followed it. For so long, I, I, you know, I, drink what you like is literally the most horrific piece of marketing gibberish that's ever been crammed down the American public's throat. I mean, do you, do, do you let your nine-year-old son drink what he likes? <laughs> I mean, he'd drink Mountain Dew and, and, and Rockstar all day long. You, you, don't, you, don't, you know, and I'm not saying that people are ignorant, but, you know, they, they, they need, that's bad wine, okay? That, I don't care if you like it. It's bad wine. Camus Cab is bad wine. Belgo Pinot is bad. Sorry to pick on Camus here. We can show. Prisoner <laughs> is bad wine. You know, it, 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 it's not, it's not, it's, 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 it's not even a wine product. It's gone so far into its pandering to the American sweet tooth and the American palate of bigger and better and high alcohol and blah, 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 blah. And I am not saying that I am, you know, one of these hipster psalms who drinks nothing but Gamay Beaujolais and Valdegui from Vines and, and stuff like that. I don't. I mean, and you look at my blog, I have Napa wines. I have Sonoma wines occasionally. You know, I have... $200 $200 Napa cabs on there and I have little watery little Syrahs that taste like battery acid. I mean, I have everything in between. But drink what you like and don't let people judge you. I mean, that's just, that's just, that's just, that's, okay, anyway. Well, this is what makes you, this is why people follow you, right? It takes somebody saying what they mean meaning what they say, having a, an opinion and a point of view, right? And that's what a critic does. And so that's where people wind up. That's what they want. Well, but and, and that's what a critic does, except, you know, this critic, I want to t- take everybody aside and give them a big old hug and tell them it's going to be okay and show them 
force them to like something that they're not going to like. No, 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 no. That's, that, that, that's, a, that's the way it comes out. But, you know, I want, I want people to see that, that, that wine... <laughs> well, you really are interested in that 85 to yes, 99. Yes, that's the group you need to reach. Mm-hmm. That's the group. The group that, the group that has just this little tiny piece inside them that's telling them that there's more out there. Mm-hmm. And they want to experience it but they don't have the voice and they've never heard anybody and they don't have any friends that are saying this because everyone around them is drinking crap yeah from the supermarket steven we could talk all day we could talk all day about all kinds of things but um, i need to ask you the final question which is why am i a vegetarian no <laughs> <laughs> that would surprise me. I was raised uh, vegetarian. Well, right, of course, right, yeah. right. Um, no, if it were um, your last day on earth and you wanted to celebrate all the things that you'd accomplished in your life um, and the relationships you managed to have and think of all those bottles of wine that you received and drank and all of the meals where you got to sit with those um you know your bottle friends and talk mm-hmm. what would you eat and who would be there and what would you drink oh this is like the proust interview isn't it just just yes, going it is for it. it is you read vanity fair i love vanity uh, some I, of the least appreciated writing ever 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 and do not tell any of your friends. Do not let any of your friends that just happen to be the slightest bit right wing leaning politically that you devour Vanity Fair and you really appreciate it's writing. Fantastic! I think it got a bad rap as like a glamour magazine. It's not. It's yeah. no, it's a no. wonderful. It's, magazine. it's incredible. Yeah. Um, that's what I read. Um, where would I be? Well, I know where I would be. I would be in Nice. I would be in Nice, and I don't think I would even be at one of the fancy restaurants or even one of the cool little dives down in Old Town like, uh, like, uh, uh, Coda, what's it, what's the, Coda Marai, like Coda Marai or like, uh, Olivier or something like that. I think it would be the pizza joint, the family pizza joint in the, uh, in the plaza over by, uh, is that uh, Cathedral Iscario or something oh over God. there? Um, it would probably be that pizza joint. It's a, it's a place where families go for lunch after church. Yeah. And it's kind of known as the Denny's of Nice. And it's this family place. The wine list is on a chalkboard and you can't tell the sevens from the ones. And, and, <laughs> and, 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 and there's, there's, there's pizza and there's piches of rosé for like six euros. And, and everybody's a family there. Every time I go, it's the same people. You see them getting a little bit older every year. And, um, um, uh, soupions, they have a dish there called soupions, soupions a la Provence. And it is squid in a red sauce, uh, 
And it's not even over pasta. It's just squids and red sauce. And it's the best thing you've ever had in your life. And it's like, you know, six euros. And it's at this huge restaurant. I mean, it's half, three quarters of it is outdoors and half it's in patio and everything. And, you know, you can smoke cigarettes and you can drink and, and there's kids running around and there's pigeons everywhere. And, and uh, if the, it starts raining, you go underneath and the plastic drips on you and gets your warm all wet. And, <laughs> and you can sit there all afternoon. And, and that's probably where it would be. Gosh, that sounds amazing. Yeah, and it's amazing. and it's and it's not you know it's not it's not it's not fancy. Mm-mm. It's not fancy, but it's like my favorite place on earth. Yeah, I understand that feeling. You're fun to talk to. Thanks <laughs> for coming over. Thank you for having me. That's it for another episode of the Consumed Podcast. Consumed is produced by me, Jamie Lewis, and edited by Chris Lambert. To learn more about any of the guests you hear on the podcast visit letsgetconsumed.com. You can also sign up there for the Consumed newsletter where I share recipes, side stories, and more. Until next time, thank you for getting consumed together with me.